Geek Gab costs me naught. Two nerds offer food for thought. Then warn, don't get caught. The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 160 for July 21st, 2008. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. That uh, was a haiku for the contest from Mark Newton. So Mark is one of our winners. I'm Dave yes. Hamilton, and I am here, of course, with John Braun. Hi, John. How are you? Yeah, you had me confused for a bit because some people may have thought that this was not the right podcast. <laughs> this was poetry today or something, but, right. uh, or, or haiku hijinks or whatever. So, okay. Haiku hijinks. What a great idea for a show. Boy, you think that'd get old pretty quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we did get a lot in, and we'll, we'll mention a couple more today and, and then... But we'll wrap it up next week. But uh, for the rest of the show, we've got a bunch of different stuff to talk about. Lots of listener questions. Uh, some talking about mobile me in, in various aspects. Uh, a revisitation of our discussion on UPSs. Uh, some tips about uh, all, all sorts of stuff, and including where to send your computer and who to call when your Mac is, is broken. And, and actually, I want to talk about that first. We spoke recently about when and where Apple may or may not replace a battery in a portable. Well, Lisa has my old MacBook Pro, which is still under Apple Care for another eight months, I think. My, my, this is my first generation MacBook Pro ordered, you know, the day they were released, uh, February, whatever it was, two and a half years ago. And the battery had gotten to the point where it wouldn't even warn her it would just shut down and this happened multiple times and i t yeah i told her look you, you just got to call apple care and and they'll take care of it so she said when she was on the phone with the guy he started laughing and couldn't understand what she was telling him and multiple times she had to answer the same question i said well what was it he said well she said he was asking for what's the the full charge capacity of the battery and she said i kept telling him it's 650 milliamp hours and and uh, he said, no, not the existing charge, the full charge capacity. And she read it again and read him the whole thing. Now, that battery was down to 650 milliamp hours. Mine shows uh, uh, but 5140, I think, is, is what mine shows. So Yeah, it, I, I got 5180. But there you go. Now, I want to maybe touch on a, on a well, just a... Well, I want to I I mention they did replace her battery. So uh, she called AppleCare. It's two and a half years after purchase. Yes, the computer's under AppleCare. And they replaced it. Now, it, the important thing to note is she called Apple Care. This is different from going to an Apple uh, solution pro provider or Apple service professional. Uh, it's different from going into the Genius Bar. I think Apple Care on the phone has some leeway. The Genius Bars may or may not. The ASPs in this regard have told us that they do not have any leeway past the one year point. Cannot get a battery replaced. So. Uh, and the guy told her she's got a quote unquote monster battery uh, coming. So I don't know what that means, but uh, I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing that means they replaced it with one of the one of the really new ones. So, uh, oh, maybe, maybe she'll get one of the ones that you and I have. So that'll be that'll be good for. Her. But yeah, uh, then, but they did replace it. So, yeah, go ahead. So a few things. So where do you find this information? Ah. The, the, the listener may ask and I have an answer for you. So yes. at least one answer. There are a couple of places. Now, the one that everybody can use because it's built into your Mac is if you go to About This Mac, uh, More Info, which runs a thing called System Profiler on a Mac with a battery. If you go to the hardware category and then power, you will see just a whole boatload of good stuff here. And where you want to look, and I think this is where the, the guy asked Lisa to look, was um, charge information. And like, for example, on mine here, it has a number of things. Charge maining 4684, which is in milliamp hours, okay, which is a unit of measuring how much juice your battery but my full capacity says 5180 okay and i think you were saying her full capacity said 650 now two yeah. days so to ago me, that obviously means to me that one of the one or more of the cells or, or a solder joint or something in there because well, well i guess they deteriorate over time but i've never seen them get that well after that amount of time yeah i would i wouldn't expect it to uh, well get that well, machine, this is the no. third battery that we've had replaced in that machine. Uh, the first one, out of the gate, when you'd get down to 33%, it would die. It was a known issue. They swapped it out. About a year later, this problem happened. Now, a year later again, 
this problem happens. So, I, you know, we, we may be heading down the path of, uh, of, of, of that whole thing that, uh, that we talked about before with my iMac that got replaced. I, I don't know if this machine has huh. a, you know, if it's a, if it's a lemon or what, but, uh, we'll, we'll, that, that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see what, we'll see what it's like with the new battery. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, now that I think about it, I, I just recently sold my, you know, dear, uh, power book. And I, and I think the batteries, you know, now that I think about it, I think they were maybe in the hundreds, if not the low thousands, as far as remaining current. Because huh. they were, well, they were smaller batteries. I think they may have been six cells or or whatever. But those were relatively smaller batteries, as far as uh, maximum power. Oh, that's right. Yeah, way smaller. That's right. Yeah, it, yeah. they didn't have five thousand milliamp hours. Ooh. They may have had yeah, three or two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one other cool tidbit, because I love these geeky tangents, don't you? Well, I do. Even if you don't. Here we go. <laughs> so speaking of power, you know, I was just over the weekend, especially now, you know, well, for you, Dave, and for the listeners, I turned off the AC I usually have up here in my uh, computer room because, uh, you know, it creates a, a background noise and you don't want to hear that stuff. You want to hear us, right? That's I right. You do. So. Um, so I went to my utility company. Now, normally I was paying my, my bill electronically, but they have a new thing where you sign up and you can answer all sorts of questions about, you know, I have this type of air conditioner and this type of appliance, and it'll kind of show you a little part chart showing where all your, your uh, money's going um, for, for which thing. And it's pretty cool. But then I noticed the setting, and this I thought was the coolest, and I think I've actually wished for this on some of our holiday shows. It said, read your meter. That's so cool. Which, you know, yes, I could walk outside and take the, you know, 15 or 20 seconds to go outside. But it's like checking the weather on weather.com when you're inside you know no no it, it does a lot more um now as far as i can tell it's not doing it i I'm, i was thinking wow is it doing it over ip or something now some of you may know and some of you may have used there are products that can send data through power lines right it's just another form of communication medium except just don't touch it so you don't zap yourself <laughs> where cable and things like that of course you can usually touch them and you're, you're not going to die but um so I, I, what I'm, and they limit it to four per month, but they do show you the history. So I'm assuming that the power meter maintains a history up until a certain point of, because it showed like by the hour, the milliamp hours that, that I was uh, uh, consuming. That's pretty cool. So that was pretty darn cool. So, so I'm looking at a future where you can do that to almost all your stuff. You can say, how much power am I using? How much gas am I using? How much, and, and kind of get an idea of what, what makes your house tick and, you know, how you can save money. And, the, you know, this tool, aside from that, did a very nice job of saying, hey, you know, you could, you know, clean your, you know, the air grates in your AC and all, all sorts of stuff. But it, it was interesting. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right. All right. Now we got to veer right on target here. That's right. Yeah, we, we had a tangent on a tangent. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so and we're and we're going to actually talk more about the the whole when to call Apple Care, when to call uh, uh, the store, etc. Later, we've got a, a good tip about that. But right now, I want to answer uh, Steve's question. Actually, hey John and Dave, this is Steve in Madison, Wisconsin. Enjoy the show. I have learned so much from you guys. It's amazing. Anyway, got a question? Hope you can help me out. I have a 24-inch iMac which I've hooked up to my audio receiver with a Toslink cable. I have a 35-foot HDMI cable and Toslink cable that I use to hook up to my HDTV and receiver so I can enjoy some uh, movies from my iMac over to my, uh, my big screen TV, complete with decent audio. Anyway, I've also got a nice pair of computer speakers complete with subwoofer that I'd like hooked into my Mac at the same time. So when I'm not using it with the TV, I can have sound coming from where my Mac is located. Problem is the Mac only has one audio output. Um, now, if both the optical and electrical audio outputs are working at the same time, I was thinking there must be some way to use some kind of a splitter. Somebody must make one. Um, so I don't have to constantly switch audio jacks in the back of my Mac. I'm thinking that's just a service problem waiting to happen. Are you aware of any such device or any kind of workaround so I can have my analog audio and digital audio at the same time? Thanks, guys. Cut me off now. Okay. Cut uh, him off. Cut him off. All right. So, John, if you'll remember, we had a question. I think it was, I don't know, sometime in the last year, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, from a listener who had a problem where their output jack, I think it was on one of their portables, was stuck in what they called toss link mode. Now, for, for those of you that don't know, your 
audio jack on most recent Macs, maybe all recent Macs, uh, will take a headphone and do standard two-channel analog output like a uh, like an iPod will. And if you put a mini Toslink adapter in there, it'll go in a little bit further and open up a port at the end that turns on uh, the light, which I, I think is an LED, John, but uh, you'll somebody will correct us. Is yeah, it LED? LED, and then the cable itself, I believe, is usually not glass, but it's plastic because it, it's sending light and not electrical signal like the analog signal, just to, to separate the two. So it's okay. it has a dual personality. Yeah, and, but, but what we learned was if the Toslink uh, adapter is in there, i.e. the light is enabled and on, uh, the, this listener's machine was stuck in that mode, and so plugging in his headphones yielded no sound, and he was trying to figure out how to get it unstuck, and we talked through that. I think for a week or two, we had a little running chain for that. So that tells me that doing a splitter on this, Steve, would not work because you're not getting both simultaneously. It is one or the other, assuming things work like they did for this other listener. So my solution, and and we actually have a couple of different ones here, uh, but my solution, my first thought was, well, okay, you've got the Toslink thing working. Uh, that's digital audio out. Let's stick with that. Then go get like an iMate or uh, if you want to do it wirelessly, the, you know, the audio engine, the AW1, something that you would plug into your USB port to get analog audio. Two benefits. One, you can have both of them connected and then pick one or the other. Or if you're using iTunes, both at the same time and have sound coming from both places. Or, uh, and, 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 or the second benefit is that you're now doing, you're not doing any analog audio direct from the Mac. So you get to bypass all of the noise that's created inside the computer and you're actually doing your conversion, you know, at arm's length or if you one step beyond, if you will. And that, that works fairly well. But, but John, you know, when, when Steve mentioned splitter, you headed down a different path. And, and I think that's a, that's an interesting thing to talk about here. And I guess the only question I have about what you proposed is that, are you able, well, I think you hinted at this, are you able to do both? Can you do both a USB audio and a, a, a toss link? And I guess the answer, well, I, I think you said if you have iTunes or something like that, but I guess that's the only concern I'd have about that solution. Yeah, I think they're now two separate channels, if you will. The computer sees them as two separate Right. Output entities and may not be able to deal with it, depending on what you're C Certainly you could, I know iTunes will do multiple audio outputs in okay. in some ways but but it may not do it in this way i may have misspoke however i've always been able to do it with audio hijack pro so okay. That, okay. there's your there's your definitive answer and i think yeah i don't think itunes will do it now that i now that i'm thinking about that i, I think you're now, you're right the other way to solve it because he does want both outputs now this may cost you a little money well the, the your solution would too because yeah. you need an iMic or something like that but i mate there are toslink splitters Really? Which are digital splitter. Well, you could also just get a traditional. Well, no, he wants to go to both devices. So, yeah, one way to do it is to get an analog splitter, but then you'd have to convert one channel to digital. Right. The, the solution I was thinking is you can get, and I, I found them online, um, well, you need a mini Toslink to Toslink adapter, uh, unless they make a mini Toslink, because Apple uses a smaller connector right. than a standard. And you, you made that point before, but just keep in mind that there is mini Toslink and Toslink. But you can split the digital you know, optical signal. They make those splitters. And then what you would need, um, and I guess you found while doing a quick search, Dave, is because that's digital, you got to get it back to analog. So they have D2A converters that take the digital audio data and convert it to analog, which you then can use with your analog toys. So that's another way to go about yep. it. So, so um, and I think in that case, you know, well, I guess the bad news is you have no control over I mean, it's splitting it, so you're going to get both whether you like it or not. Now, the, what you propose, Dave, could give you, give you more control potentially because there's two, two separate channels, whereas this is one channel and it's doing it through a piece of hardware right. after the fact. So, um, and, and we found a few products there. It looks like they're, they're pretty common. It, so, I, uh, and I said iMate, and you corrected me with iMic, and then I said no, it's iMate. No, iMate was wrong. iMate is the USB to ADB device, ADB being the old thing that was used on ancient Macs for oh, gosh. Uh, my, mice and keyboards. It is iMic. Uh, both are from Griffin uh, at griffintechnology.com, but that's just one of the... One of the things there. Okay. Uh, are we are we good with that? Did we, did we hit all the points on that, John? I, I think we did, yes. If, if we didn't, let us know. Uh, our first sponsor for this show is Barebones, Barebones Software at barebones.com. 
And we're talking about Yojimbo. We talk about this a lot. We're happy to talk about Yojimbo. I use Yojimbo all the time. I used it just now to play Steve's comment. I actually throw all the, the agenda complete with audio right into a Yojimbo file. I can play the audio right from there, patch it out, put it right in the show. Good to go. Yojimbo is the organizer for everything else in your life. You have your email program for all your email, your calendar, your contact, your address book for your contacts. What about everything else? You've got piles of PDFs, maybe receipts, maybe forms that you had to fill out for work, all that kind of stuff. You can pull it all together. You can create collections and tag the uh, all the documents. And, you know, they, they can be anything, text, PDF, pictures, sound, anything you want to throw in there, you just throw it in and then categorize it the way you want. You can search by just about every field in there uh, or search by the whole thing. Yojimbo is available for 39 bucks from Barebones Software at barebones.com. The interesting thing I found about the, and it syncs with .Mac and the license that, that you get, if you, for 39 bucks, you get a single user license that's good for one user multiple machines so you can have it installed and using on multiple machines for one user 69 bucks for a family pack again it's a family pack uh, that gives you multiple users multiple machines so uh, definitely a uh, a cool thing to check out and we appreciate them sponsoring the show barebones.com moving on to mobile me oh i want uh, what we can do it i want to shake my fist that's we'll shake our we'll shake our fist later Uh, a little later yeah yeah, okay mobile me is is pretty timely yeah it is uh and bob has a question here hi john and dave bob from santa barbara um my question is about the new mobile me service Uh, i guess it's a lot like dot mac in that everyone has separate accounts my wife and i on our home computer have shared the same account so we share the same address book and the same calendar uh, the same photo album. And we like it that way, but we have separate email addresses, which we also like. I also teach classes in Mac, and most of my students are the same way. They share the same uh, address books, but they have separate email accounts. With MobileMe, I can log in under my email address, and I can see all of my addresses. And um, and mail and such, but... If I gave a, had a family account and got my wife to have a .Mac address, if she logged in, she wouldn't see the, um, um, the address book because she would have to have a separate account on my computer, right? And I was thinking, well, in system preferences, I could choose me or mobile me, and she could, uh, we could switch between my account and her account each time, and then we have two syncing um, items, right? One from mine and one from hers. I'm not making any sense right now, but that would probably really throw things off if you follow that. Bob, Bob, I, I understand what you're trying to do. You, you want to have... Explain sep- it to me. He wants to have separate email accounts, but he wants to have... Uh, is, is there a sound on, John? Are you echoing to me? I didn't touch anything, but I can hear you huh. echoing. Interesting. You know, Whatever. it might it might Did be Pilot Pete. Pilot Pete is listening to the show. Oh, now it now it stopped. Yeah, Pilot Pete's listening to the show. He's actually he's not here with me. He's in Sydney. Uh and you can check out some pictures of him uh that he's taken there at twitter dot com slash pilot pete. So everybody say hi to Pete. It sounds like he fixed whatever was going on or uh mm-hmm. or whatever that was. So next time he gets booted. That's right. <laughs> Serious. Uh, so th- th- I think that's where the echo came from. In any event, uh Oh, Pete says it wasn't him. Well, yeah, who else could it be? Oh, huh. Hi, okay. All right. NSA guys, come on. Yeah. Stop it. In any event. <laughs> uh, so what Bob wants to do is he wants to take, uh, he wants to have two separate email addresses, but otherwise wants to have everything else in sync. So he wants to have his contacts shared the same with his wife, just as he has now. And his calendar shared same with his wife, just as he has now. And the beauty is you can do this email mail dot app does not read its mail configuration from the mobile me preference pane in system preferences. It's the same as dot Mac. It, it really is. It, it's the same thing with a new name and some new clients available. Those new clients being Windows computers running Outlook, 
and the iPhone. That's it. It, it's, it. Other than that, think of it the same way. So you could get your, you could do the family account. If you want your wife to have a me.com address, you could get a, a, an account for her and just not use it for syncing. You could use it for mail only and not for syncing. And, and the same is true on the iPhone. You, I have my, my email account that, that is stored on our backbeat media servers and it, it stays there and that's fine. And that's what the phone syncs to for email. Uh, and then I have my mobile me account on the phone for syncing calendars and contacts. And I've turned off the email portion of that and just turned on the calendars and contacts and it works fine. So uh, it, it is possible to do what Bob wants to do. Uh, just remember that mail.app does not read its mail settings. You can still sync mail rules and all that sort of thing. But uh, so it, it's important to know. One other thing that's important to know, we got we got a, a voicemail and an email from Sergio. And I, one thing that, that Sergio mentioned was he was complaining about the web interface of MobileMe and saying, look, it's not a backup because the calendars on MobileMe don't have alarms. You can't set alarms. You can't have alarms fire. So if you were to lose your computer and try to resync back down, you'd have to re-enter all this alarm information. Well, that's not true. MobileMe will still sync, just like .Mac did, alarms from computer to computer, even though you can't see them in the web interface. So if you only sync one computer with the, with the web, with the cloud, if you will, then replace that computer, sync all the stuff back down, all the alarms and everything that were on your computer that you had synced up to MobileMe will come back even though you don't see them in the web interface. So it's important to note that the web interface is merely a, a looking glass, if you will, into part of what's there, not all of it. And that, yeah, I found that, that too. Important to note. Is that yeah. I will, and I, I, yeah, I would go with iDisk Sync being a backup strategy, a mm. backup strategy, maybe not the backup strategy. Right. But a way to keep certain off-used data between machines. Yeah, uh, I synchronize agree. between machines because I think it. Yeah, it's it's smart. You know, it'll if there's a change, it'll eventually sync all the machines up. So um, I don't know if I'd use it as my sole method of backing things up, Dave. But um, certainly as as something just, you know, the more copies of stuff you have around, uh, disregarding security concerns, of course, of course. um, the better a chance you'll get something fairly recent if if uh, disaster strikes. So yeah, it it you know, and and it's. It's a good thing. You know, we, I use that tool. Good thing to mention here. We had that tool that I can't think of the name of that showed us what was being backed up with every successive time machine backup. And, and maybe, John, you'll you'll remember it while I'm talking here. But uh, what I noticed was on all my machines, the uh, library slash the home slash library slash file sync directory was giving a lot of activity. And of course, I have synced copies of my iDisk on all three of the machines that I use. And I realized, well, OK, if I've got the data uh, in the cloud, that's one backup. Then I've got the data on my computer and it, I won't use a backup. I've got the data in the cloud. That's one copy of my data. I've got the data on my computer in that file sync sparse bundle image. Then I've also got it backed up with time machine with one uh one of my machines i can skip backing up that file sync bundle on the other two machines because frankly i don't need three backups of this same thing in uh on my time capsule so i went around and and pulled all those out of there so that again that's home slash library slash file sync and that if if you've got multiple machines and a synced iDisk you may want to consider pulling that out of all but one of them so that you're not just constantly backing up all that stuff unless you want to. And then there's nothing wrong with it. Just be aware of what you're doing. And that's always a good thing. All right. Should we do the, uh, the final, uh, dot mobile me thing here, John? Let's do that. Sure. Okay. Hi, John and Dave. Um, I've got a question about, um, Mac backup from dot Mac or mobile me. Uh, I've been using that for some time now to back up my home folder to a uh, hard drive, to a second hard drive in my Power Mac. Um, I've got a situation now, though, where uh, it won't back up anymore because it's saying that the hard drive, there isn't enough room anymore. And when I look in that hard drive, I see it's full of incremental backups. Um, how many of these or which ones of these can I get rid of? Uh, how many of these things do I need to keep to be able to effectively back up my hard drive, uh, my main hard drive, if something horrible happens? 
any help on this, I'd really appreciate. Um, thanks for your help. Hey, you bet, Bob. Um, Back up. Uh, now that we're talking, just to be clear, uh, 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 before you run with this, John, we're talking about Backup.app, which is an application available to .Mac and now MobileMe uh, subscribers. Download it from inside your iDisk. And it is Apple's backup software. So with that. Yeah, well, I don't know if I run too far with this. But yeah, I mean, I, I tried it. I'm, I'm a happy uh, .Mac uh, MobileMe member. And I tried it one time. And I guess uh, it looks to me like it's good for a, a new computer user. I didn't like it. Because it didn't give me the level of granularity that I wanted to, to back up my stuff. And here I'm even looking right now. They have these things called plans. And there's a home folder plan and a personal data and settings plan and an iLife plan, iTunes. And that's all well and good. So, so I think it may be a good basic backup tool for, for beginning users. But for, you know, the calorie user that, that you know, we like to speak to, right? Or uh, the, the ultra geeky. The people that peg the geek meter, I, I, I never liked it because... I, I think it just didn't give you enough control over what you were backing up and when. And uh, so so that's as far as I think I'm going to run with this, Dave. But then I think you have a point about just some, I think, shortcomings in, in functionality or the way it does things, which which really makes it not not a backup program that either of us use. So, yeah, well, and I, and now I'll add one more to that list because it actually does more than you realized. You can actually tell it to back up the results of a spotlight search too. Uh, and, and depending on how you set things up, you, you could get it fairly granular, but you, you know, you got to hold your mouth just right and, and, and run your system a certain way in order for that. Yeah, I to saw work. it had other, I didn't even want to go there, but um, yeah, yep. uh, I, I used it on. for a while on our FileMaker machine, which is a, a an old, old G3 with an upgrade card in it for a G4 running Tiger. Uh, and I used it to back up all our FileMaker data to our .Mac, uh, to my .Mac account, just to have an off-site backup of that stuff, because I thought that, that's important. And I ran into exactly the same problem that Bob's talking about, where you run the backup for the first time, and it creates the first full backup. Then every day when you run it or however often you do it, it creates an incremental and an incremental and an incremental. Most backup software, you get to set how that works and you can say, look, after a week, do another full backup. Forget all these incrementals, roll them all together and let's start fresh. Dot Mac backup, dot, mobile me backup, whatever you want to call it. Backup dot app does not do that. You have to do it manually, and you got to go and delete the backups, force it to recreate the another first full backup, and go again. It's a little pedantic for my my tastes, and and really, it, it's just not smart thinking uh, from an application design standpoint. It it I, I never understood why that problem never got fixed, and and maybe Time Machine is is the answer there. They figured, well, forget it, you know. Oh, to heck with this dot Mac backup app. Well, everybody should use time machine and that manages it better and you don't have to think about it. And it's true. Time machines way better as long as you want to back up everything. But if you just have some certain little thing that you want to back up, backup dot app is not the right tool to use. There's, there's other tools. I, you know, I used to use Res retrospect, but they're taking forever to get their new version out. So I'm not going to recommend Still? that anymore. Oh, it's, oh yeah. They, dude, they oh. announced it at Macworld. And they're going to ship it in October or something. It's no, it's wrong. I should have waited. It. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, data backup two from from ProSoft is actually ah much better. My, yeah, it's great. It's OS ten native. Hey, you know that's a good thing. It's or Intel yeah, native rather. Guys. Yeah, it's great. They it's make great. all sorts of great stuff. So so yeah. And um uh well, I still like Carbon Copy Cloner, though I tend to yeah. use it for the uh, all in one or of course right. you know Super Duper. I guess it's another. Uh, they're good for now, the all-in-ones, yeah. Now, I'll say in the defense, of, the one thing Backup does do, which is kind of interesting, although other products tend to do it now, too, is that it will use your iDisk as a destination for the backup. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. That That's hard to get to happen with other <clears throat> backup software. Um, I think I've seen attempts at it in, in other programs, yep. but... Because, uh, I mean, basically, your, your iDisk is a, a web dev drive but still there may be other nuances um right right but anyway so so that's one advantage and you know i'd say you know heck if you got dot mac or, or mobile me give it give it a shot you know it may be it may work for you 
They might. I just long term. I think it 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 you know massive fail for just about any uh, <laughs> any. Uh, for anybody, I, I haven't seen anyone that's used it that says, oh, yeah, it's great. And then, you know, if they realize what's going on or if they've ever tried to restore or anything like that, it'll, it would fill up my iDisc. I would have to, you know, yeah, yeah. once once every month or two, I'd have to go in and clean it all out. Do it again. Can I? Uh, hello? Yeah, hello. Yeah. yeah. How are we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you, John? Well, you mentioned Time I'm Machine, doing, right? I'm doing a show. You, you want to do the show with me? Yes. <laughs> You have a rant, don't you? Well, I just thought it was an opportune time because we were talking about backup. Yeah, go. Okay, here we go. Sorry. Rant's on. <laughs> I had, we were going to save it later in the show. We were trying to pace my you know little tangents and rants here. But okay, so some of you may recall, and actually one at least one person, if not more, wrote in where my rant about my time machine getting all screwed up after they did the latest 7.3.2 update. And at least one other listener wrote in saying... um. Hey, you know, I had the same thing happen to me, and I, I did a rollback. Now, I should have thought of that, and I didn't. But the, the, the uh, time cap, so we'll let you roll back to a prior firmware. I probably should have tried that, but I was just really annoyed. But I was going to link to a discussion about it in the show notes that I dutifully do for you folks, you know, uh, usually a day or two after the show. I've, I've been getting better lately. Yeah. Um, but anyways, here we go. Uh, and... Uh, no, it just got me is that I was going to put a link to a discussion that Dave and I were looking at before the show. When I tried to paste in the show notes, discussion deleted. Apple, grow up, okay? I just It just bugs the heck out of me. It's like you're acting like somebody running a bulletin board and you're afraid of having something, putting something bad about you. That's I'm exactly what These it are is. intentional deletions. These are people discussing a problem with your product and you delete the discussion. Come on. Give me a break. I, I'm sorry. You know, maybe we'll be banned from iTunes or something. But that's just to me, it's unacceptable to to extinguish a discussion on your support forms about a problem with your product. Because as far as I can tell, I'm not the only one that had the problem. So rather than pretending it doesn't exist, why don't you get an Apple person that knows what's going on to at least answer the concerns of your listeners and your users? Now, so if, that's uh, that's the end of my and that's a fish shake. Okay. Not a finger wag, but a fist. I'm shaking my fist because that really bugs me when, when they do that. Yeah. Now Apple announced, um, I think it was over a year ago, that they no longer officially have people manning the discussion forums. Insofar as that, you, you should not expect to get an answer from Apple people. Now there are certain discussion forums uh, that Apple people will answer. They and even more of them that Apple people monitor. Uh, clearly, uh, in, in this case, John, someone from Apple was monitoring it because I don't think any of the rest of us have the rights to delete a discussion. So, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It, it, leave the stuff out there. There's helpful info. I mean, it, one of the things that, uh, that came in via email this week was what you alluded to there rolling. Somebody wrote in with exactly the same problem that you had. And they said what they did was they rolled back from 732 to 731 and boom, the problem went away all their time machine backups started working magically again. So they just left it there. They didn't have to restart their time machine. They didn't have to re, you know, rebegin everything that they've done. They were able to do it, but you got to leave this stuff out there so that the users can, if Apple's not going to help the users, at least the users can help each other. And that's what the discussion. Yes, and I've seen that. And actually they've added some very nice features as of late. So I'm going to give them, you know, a, a tip of the hat in addition to the shake of the fist, but they will have threads that say this question has been answered or not. There's a way to indicate that an issue is closed and an answer is, is available. Um, so yeah, now I don't know. I'm, I'm not the, you know, administrator of the Apple discussion boards. Maybe there's a valid reason that they delete these discussion threads about problems with their products. And I'm just not hip to why they do it. So if you're allowed to. Now, don't do it from your Apple computer at Apple campus or a phone, okay? <laughs> do it from a pay phone. Or we, do it anything, from home or something. Anything we get is confidential. We don't, uh, you know, we'll play this stuff on the air, but we're, we won't tell anyone where this stuff comes from. Well, I'm just more concerned about, uh, because, you know, I've, I've worked with our IT people when they've been trying oh, to track right. people down, right. doing stupid things from work computers. And uh, so we, we don't want people to lose their jobs. No, so. certainly not. 
Certainly. So go to a nice internet cafe or something, hook up to their Wi-Fi and, uh, and write it from there. But anyways, no, it's just, it, it's annoying, you know. Close out the thread saying, you know, this thread is inappropriate and re- go to this thread, which is the official thread about, you know, this topic, something or other, blah, blah, blah. But don't just delete it. I mean, that's just rude. So end of rant. But I think it was uh, I feel much better now. Do you but feel but I think it's a disservice to Apple users. I, I really do. And Apple customers. I agree. All right. We've got a couple of tips to go through. But uh, the, the, the next thing I want to do here is mention our second sponsor for this show, which is Second Gear. SecondGearLLC.com is where you go to find out more about today. Today is an application. It reads from your iCal data store and shows you a nice, tidy little window that lists today's events, or really the events for any day. It also includes your tasks. You can jump around from day to day, and in fact, version 1.2 adds a date picker so that you can jump weeks or months. You can move around much easier as opposed, as opposed to previous versions where you just had to go day to day. And now, if you double-click an iCal item, either an event or a task, and today it opens it up in iCal and you can edit it right there. So uh, today is available from secondgearllc.com. I use it. It's got a great interface. It's just really, really simple, and it's a nice place to have your calendar for the day in a compact little window without having to have iCal open and and taking up lots of screen real estate. If you go there, you can of course download a free trial, but until I believe the end of August, if you use a special coupon code of MGG 160, you get 20% off of the retail price, which is 15 bucks. So 12 bucks with the MGG 160 coupon, you really can't beat it. Uh, secondgearllc.com. And of course there'll be a link in the show notes. Also reminding you of the coupon code. All right. Uh, we have quite a few tips to go through here and we've actually got some time here, John. So let's, yeah. uh, let's Robert, start. You want to do Robert? Let's start with Robert. Yeah, I think this is good. We talked about UPSs last week, uninterruptible power supplies and, and Robert makes a good point. Hey guys, this is Robert from Mac and Commenting back on, um, the UPS problems this guy was having this week's Geek Gab cast. Um, I've seen on some of the lower-end units, um, like APCs and things of that nature, where you can buy in you know, any of your big box shops, where it may have like six outlets on it. And you have to really pay close attention to them because some are using the battery backup side, and the others are only surge protected. So if you have a piece of critical equipment, <clears throat> pardon me, plugged into just a surge protection side and you lose power, that's going down. Just a heads up on that, guys. Love the cast. Take care. All right. Thanks, Robert. And uh, I couldn't hear. We, we just had a little discussion about this. I couldn't hear what uh, <laughs> what URL you said at the beginning. Hopefully some of our listeners could. Um, if uh, you want to say it again, you know, send another comment. We're happy to play it. Uh, you make an excellent point. There, there are often uh, on a on a UPS. There's often two banks of plugs, if you will. One, and they're clearly labeled. Uh, typically, they, one one bank that says you know surge protection only, and that way, when, those that are plugged into surge protection, when the power goes out, they go out. On the other side of it will be the battery backup. That's where you plug that stuff in. And remember, not all devices should be plugged into surge protection. I recommend, oh. yeah, I recommend plugging in computers, hard drives, and typically monitors, okay? Uh, beyond that, it gets dicey, especially the, the one, and, and if you have the power in the surge protector, go ahead and add more, but test it, i.e. By, by putting it in test mode and seeing if the battery can run your equipment. The one thing you want to make sure you don't plug into certainly any consumer-grade UPS is a laser printer. When these things fire up, they use way more power than most consumer grade UPSs can handle and it'll shut the thing right down. So make sure if you've got a nice. laser printer, go ahead and plug it into the other side. Well, they need to heat up a, a that oh, no, I know. that drum and to, a drum and a fuser and, yeah, the and fuser all this stuff. Is the thing. I, I would suspect that 
the de- technology because some I see a lot of units now. Like we, we got some new uh, sharp multifunction units at work, and uh, yeah, they have warm up periods and stuff like that. But but I think yeah, in general, and I, I'm sure it's in the documentation somewhere for the device that has the maximum power draw, right? Because um, yeah, what you're pointing out is that, and actually that's about the only device I could think. Maybe a monitor, you know, maybe an old plasma monitor powering up may also yeah kind of do a you know, short-term but high current draw and then settle down. Yep. So, yeah, actually, now that you think about it, I, I think that's the only device. That and maybe some older monitors. You, you take a big hit at the beginning and then it settles down. So, uh, All right. Thank you, Robert. Uh, okay, we talked about uh, the benefits of when to call AppleCare earlier with the, uh, with the battery issue. Dave has another opinion. Hey, John and Dave. This is Dave. Hmm. I'm an Apple specialist. You know, Apple authorized service provider. I repair Macs. I'm just responding to Dusty's call from PA. $900 is way too much money. Somebody's misquoting a logic board price. Or they're considering it's a stock price instead of an exchange price. Anyway... The point here is, sounds like Dusty's getting really shafted. Tell him to take that machine to an Apple-authorized service provider, not an Apple store. An Apple-authorized service provider. Look them up in the book. They fix things like we do, and they don't charge quite that much money. You guys really should promote those Apple-authorized service providers because those are the Apple guys that have been guys like us in business for 15 to 20 years, and they're usually pretty experienced. Once again, tell them to go to an Apple-authorized service provider. Not $900. Dear God. Good show, though. Later. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Uh, always, always appreciate hearing that. And and you're right. Uh, you know, I've found these uh, Apple authorized service providers to be essentially Apple certified Mac geeks with storefronts. Right. I mean, it, it people, these guys, most of the time, in fact, all the time in my experience are very seasoned veterans of the computing industry, especially with, with, you know, specifically with Mac, a Mac focus. Uh, you're going to find people here that have a whole lot more hands-on knowledge than you will at a Genius Bar, where they've got a lot of training and, of course, access to a lot of resources. But remember, the ASPs have access to many of the same resources that the uh, that the Geniuses do. And as Dave points out, have different paths that they can take and, and may be able to save you some money. So it's certainly worth getting a second opinion, if you will, from an ASP. And I think, John, you've... Uh, you you found a way to find them. Yeah, let's let's see if this other uh, other way of finding them works here. But anyways, yeah, there is a link. It's an article. Uh, let me type this in. Ah, there we go. Okay, I shortened it a bit. So anyways, um, on Apple's site, they have an article, How to Find Your Nearest Apple Authorized Service Provider, AASP. And it's support.apple.com slash KB, which I think is knowledge base, slash uh, H as in Henry, T as in Tom, 1434. There you go. And that links to every country where you can find an AASP and then uh, get specific. And yeah, I've actually run into, like, for example, I think in the New York City area, there's a TechServe, which is very nice. And I've actually been to the store. And it's a fun store to visit. Um, but, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I didn't get the phonetic thing, but hey. <laughs> Dave was just messaging me. I, I forgot my phonetic alphabet and I just, just broke down. But yes, you're right. Hotel Tango. That's right. I figure we'd, okay. we'd give a shout out to Pete there. Who, All right, uh, so let's start yeah. at the beginning. Alpha, Bravo, ch- no. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna go through the NATO phonetic alphabet. This is not the daily source code. No, never mind. Uh, okay, moving on. James actually wrote in, and it, this is interesting. So it, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning this and then uh, and then discuss. So James writes, "Love the show. I've been listening to the back catalog while washing up my baby son's milk bottles." In the evenings, so I'm an avid listener. On my MacBook Pro, I've been having some trouble recently with Safari startup times and randomly taking a very long time, often beach balling for minutes on end. The same started to happen with iTunes. On a quiet day, I noticed a rhythmic sound from the hard drive. Uh Uh-oh. 
When I logged in as the guest user, Monster, Safari, and iTunes performance. No problems. So what's going on? I actually ran IDFrag ahead of iTunes 7.7 download, and the single most defragmented file turned out to be a file buried in his private slash var folders named com.apple.safari slash cache.db at 253 fragments and 274 megabytes. How do I delete that? I thought, well, trusty terminal is not your friend here. Tried CDing to something called dash caches. It doesn't like the dash C on the front, even if you escape it. Now, I think if you put it in quotes, it probably would have worked, but James moves on. You're probably both thinking, duh, clear the cache, dude. And yes, that's what fixed it in the end. But it's quite alarming that this single large file could end up in so many fragments when I have 30 gigas of disks free. So this begs the question, is there any way for people who haven't purchased a defragment tool to find out just how fragmented one or more files might be? If so, could they manually defragment by moving the files to another volume and then back? All right. Uh, So the answer is... Yes, you can manually defragment by copying over and copying back. Typically, that's going to work. Um, mm. But I think IDFrag and uh, what's the one? Drive Genius are the, the two utilities that are going to go out there and, and tell you what files are fragmented. However, as you found, James, it's cache files. And my favorite way to deal with cache files is using Onyx or Cocktail, either one of those utilities, and there's others, Mac Janitor will do it too, uh, to go out and just clean all those cache files out. And I find that doing that, you know, if not once a month, maybe it's certainly at least once a quarter, but once a month isn't going to hurt you to go out and, and really scrub that stuff clean and, and get it out of there and makes a huge difference, at least from what I've found, John. I, I don't know, but what, what what your maintenance routine is, but but that's that's mine is about once every month and a half, I guess. I I remember. Oh yeah, I got to go and do that, and then I go and do it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mine is pretty much when something goes wrong. That's when I start the maintenance routine. Okay. <laughs> well, I know the system does it on its own at low level, so I, I, I trust Mac OS ten to do the right thing. All right. Well, that that's how it goes. You asked. I asked. <laughs> Uh, just fixing some audio problems there, folks. Sorry about the John. I think John's John, you sound better now. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Uh, okay. Where are we? Uh, we talked about James. You know what? Jed. What a, yeah, you want to do Jed? I yeah, do want to do Jed. Short. I, yeah, I like this. This is a fun thing to find. So take it away, Jed. Hey guys, this is Jed. Uh, just wanted to call him with a tip. Uh, I haven't heard you mention it. Maybe I'm a episode or two behind, so maybe I missed it. Or maybe you did, and I just missed it. But it's, uh, I've been really liking the Secrets Preference Pane. The, the Secrets Preference Pane is great for those of us who are uh, afraid of the terminal and, uh, and, and, our, and our Unix commands. And uh, it's done by Blacktree. I don't have the website on me, but it, it gives you a bunch of kind of the, you know, little opens up options in a lot of programs, and it's continually updated. So it's a really great thing. And then kind of because of it, I found a half tip off of it, which is screen sharing, uh, you can bring up the Bonjour menu, and you can have a choice of all your computers um, as one of the options, which is handy if you have a bunch of computers you constantly control, and you uh, hate to have to do a couple extra clicks into the finder. You can actually then drag any computer there listed under your screen sharing. You can then drag any computer out of that menu onto your desktop, and then from then on you have a shortcut to screen share your computer. So uh, something I use now a lot is I have a headless Mac, and I just use that to control it all the time. And it just saves me a couple clicks, and I'm that lazy that it, that uh, I thought it was worth calling with a tip. All right, uh, if you guys want to reach me. Uh, nope, we're good. Uh, secrets.blacktree.com is where you go and download the Secrets Pref Pane. And I think, John, since this, uh, since this comment came in, you've been, you've been a fan of this. Is that right? Uh, I I perused it actually. I will just looking at what it can do. So I think the concept is awesome. Yep. And that you have a collection of these secret little things that that are all concentrated in one place. I'd be careful though. Oh, I, those things always scare the heck out of me. Some of the things like enabling these hidden menus and enabling these hidden features. So the good news is it's all in one place. Um, the bad news is it, yeah. I I just um, so I have mixed feelings. I I like it. And every now and then I'll I'll hop in and you know try some of the options that it presents, but uh, 
Yeah, be, be careful. Do your backups, you know, like we told you to do earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and clean your caches, uh, yeah. unless unless you're John, and then just wait until all mm-hmm. heck breaks loose. Disaster right? strikes. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Got a very interesting thing here that I want to play as uh, kind of a Mac Geek Gab public service announcement. So we'll, we'll I'll, I'll play this comment from Ben here, and then we'll talk about uh, what it means. Hey, guys, this is uh, Ben from um, Augusta, Georgia. And I uh, recently um, bought a uh, bought a uh, iBook from uh, this place in South Carolina called um, – I think it's WiganerMedia.com, W-E-G-N-E-R, Media.com. And um, I got an iBook, 500 megahertz, G3. And um, I got it today, and I go to open the box. And um, uh, I open it up, and I realize it's just the box and the paper saying how much I paid for it. So I called the place, and it was shipped to DHL. And they said that uh, it had happened. Um... 10 or 12 times over the past weekend. So I figured I'd let everybody know. Uh, I don't know if it's DHL or the place this is happening or starting from, but I figured everybody let everybody know about that. But um, thank you. And I'm uh, probably going to cut me off now. But Yep, we did. Uh, so, I, I, you know, as soon as I got this, I thought, wow, this this is fascinating. So I, I called up uh, Dave Wegener, the, the proprietor of Wegener Media, and he said, in fact, you know, they've shipped probably 80,000 computers since the day they uh, they opened their doors mm-hmm. low those many years ago. And this is the first time anything's like this. Anything like this has happened. They, they've been working with the local authorities and DHL. And it looks like uh, it, it's a problem somewhere in the DHL chain. They're not sure if it's locally or somewhere at, at you know, one of their big sort facilities uh, in the path. But, yeah, he said that. They'd, they'd seen, you know, north of half a dozen of these uh, since Friday night when when they first started getting phone calls about this. But, it, you know, this this is the, the the public service announcement here is anytime you ship anything, make sure it's insured. Don't expect that it's going to get there. It usually does, but don't expect it. And uh, as Pilot Pete pointed out earlier if something is truly unreplaceable or invaluable, don't ship it uh, because you never know who's going to get their hands on it in the midst of this whole process. There's a lot of places that it, you know, it's got to go through, including sitting at your doorstep waiting for you to get home from work. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that- I guess the only thing I'd say is that, you know, if you go beyond onesie twosies and, and you do work at one of these places, there, uh, I've interacted, which is, mm, that's all I'll say, but, but interacted with people at shipping, or I'm sorry, carriers, we call them. Right. Uh, which have done investigations on things disappeared, and these guys are pretty good. Oh, yeah. If you take more than one or two things, I mean, you look at these guys, they track enough stuff where if there's any sort of pattern to where it's being lifted or when it's being lifted, if it's more than one or two, you're, 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 not going to have a job for long. So yeah, I'm sure you know, somebody DHL or yeah. USPS or UPS or whatever. I mean, they all have little, little bubbles of problems where people think they're smarter than they are and they think they can get away with it and, and lift stuff. And it's like, no, 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 that's their job to track things and know where they are. So at some point they're going to know where it disappeared and then you're in big trouble. So, I mean, I've even seen, I'll, I'll give a little, uh, just a little, um, I went on a tour of a postal facility one time and they actually have, little walkways where they have one-way mirrors where you never know if the postal inspector is watching you. <laughs> Seriously, that's yeah. how they do it. And I think they may do that in other, other facilities too. They have secret places where these guys who may, you never know if they're watching you, are watching you handle the thousands or millions of boxes that go through. So it, it's just not worth it. But um, yeah, so if anything, insure it. Yep, <laughs> as we suggested, but uh, that's too bad because uh, you know the, the, your initial reaction is, "Oh my gosh, the vendor is doing something wacky." And sure, usually it's not. Though even then, if it was, they 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 figure out the problem too. That's but, right. Um, that's right. Yeah, it, I, my guess is somebody at DHL is uh, is getting a new room and three squares a day. So <laughs> uh, the the cool thing was though, uh, being on the phone with Dave Wagner today, he told me about this thing that uh, falls into my cool stuff found category. 
Call at MacMagSaver.com. You know, there, there's been reports of problems with the MagSafe connector. If you yank it off of the uh, machine too many times or the wrong way too many times, you can start to really break that connector and then render the connector useless. Well, Mac MagSaver is something that snaps on there, extends that connector out a little bit, gives it a little bit more strength, and uh, should pretty much prevent this problem from happening. Uh, so you can check it out there. They've just started shipping them, I think, within the last month or so. And they'll also uh, work with you, and I think they'll repair uh, damaged MagSafe connectors as well. So so it's a it's a two-for solution and, and, and worth checking out. They're, they're going to send me one, and I'll... I'll certainly talk about it uh, and, and let you know, let you all know what uh, what I think about it. So, where are we with time here? We've got I a couple other cool things found, but we've got to get onto some of the. the, the we've got we've got, got a high cool get out of here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so that first haiku was from Mark Newton, so he is our first winner. Uh, Randy Chevrier, Randy Chevrier. Yeah, it looks French. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he actually sent in uh, a boatload of haikus, and, and I wanted to uh, I wanna just run through uh, a couple of them here. Maybe we'll run through all of them. I don't know. Uh, let me start with, with the first one, which I thought was great. Five candles blown out. Smile has made life so easy. They're great beyond doubt. And then he sent in one for text expander. So much text to type. Eureka. Text expander. Fingers are at peace. <laughs> I love this stuff. So that's winner number two. Should we, should we talk about a couple more of his? He did, he did one for, uh, for, I think, every app that, that Smile on My Mac does, right? Uh, PDF too big. PDF pen saves the day. Smile can make me smile. All right. We'll leave it at that. And we have something very special. The third one, uh, John, you're going to take care of in a minute here. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll credit Paul DeCarly now, but uh, you're going to have to wait to uh, wait to hear it. While we wait, John, let's tell him how to contact us. How? How? I don't know. I guess you could do the phone, which uh, last I checked, the number is 206-666-GEEK, which is... 4335. Very nice. How else? Um... Uh, Email. email, I guess. Uh, yep. Feedback Fe- at MacGeekGab.com? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You usually do that one. And then I'll let you... Uh, you there's probably a couple others that you know about, Dave. Uh, there are. At, at least one, and that's Skype. You can Skype to MacGeekGab. Again, very important. Uh, don't look for us to answer on Skype. That account is almost never online. Uh, it is simply there as a voicemail repository for anyone that wants to use Skype. We know that uh, a lot of our international listeners don't want to have to call the U.S. Uh, and make a, a toll call. So mm-hmm. Skype is a great way to get an audio comment in that way. So uh, we got that. We did that. We did this. We did that. We've been doing this for 50 something minutes. So uh, iPhoneAlley.com is where you'll get the website and podcast that Michael Johnston produces when he's not busy converting this show into AAC feed for you. Cashfly provides all the bandwidth. And uh, I think, what, in about three weeks, John, you and I are flying out to Las Vegas for New Media Expo. So if you're going to be out there, let us know. We'll be there for a couple days, a couple days or, or more, perhaps. It's. I hear it's hot. I checked the weather in Vegas the other night. 100? 107 at, at about <laughs> 6 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's nice. It's beautiful. Podcast Marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, Yojimbo from Barebones Software, Page Sender and Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, Conference Recorder from Ecamm Networks, and of course, all your travel needs from Harmon-Etravel.com and Audible.com with one free book at Audible.com slash MacGeekCab. Actually, that's AudiblePodcast.com slash MacGeekCab. I think the other link will work. But I wouldn't count on it. I don't think you'll get your free uh, your free book. So audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab. Yep. iTunes comments are awesome. We love seeing them there. Thank you very much, all those of you who have commented. And uh, if you're moved to do so and you haven't yet, please feel free. The floor is yours. Until next week, we'll, uh, we'll see you then. And then here's a, a gift from Paul, I guess. Uh, 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let's let the band play it out here. two Mac geeks whom I thought give the best advice that I've got. Fanboy or switcher, poorer or richer, we get geek gap fans sure don't get caught. Made up. 